Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Thank you very much, Anderson. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Prime Time. We have breaking news on our watch, so let's get after it. This All right, is big CNN news. Breaking news. Big news. The Washington Post just reported. Remember that weird meeting at the White House with President Trump and the Russians and Rex Tillerson, where the Russians kind of laughed at the American media as they sauntered in to this meeting with the president and other officials? Well, the Post reports that our president told the Russians in that meeting that he wasn't concerned about Moscow's interference in the U.S. election because, his reasoning went, the U.S. did the same thing in other countries. Let me quote directly from the Post reporting. Here's what we're, well, look, that's the gist of the story, all right? Now, why does this matter now? Here's how it fits in. It's part of the bigger story. It seems that it's not just the call with Ukraine that the White House tried to keep secret. The memo and the readouts about what the president said to these Russians was also something that was secreted away. So you can add it to calls between President Trump and the Saudi crown prince, Mohammed bin Salman, and between the president and Vladimir Putin. Why? These are certainly unusual moves that must be explained. It's not clear if those calls were given the same level of super secrecy that we now know came with the call to Ukraine's president, where the president asked for an investigation of the Bidens. But it is another crack in a wall of silence. There was an even bigger blow, I would argue, today, shedding light on mounting concern in the White House. The U.S. special envoy to Ukraine, Kurt Volker, resigned today, just one day after the whistleblower report came out. Why? Also, not clear yet, but he is mentioned in that whistleblower complaint. And we're going to look at how Volcker fits into this ever more tangled web around this president and his lawyer in just a little bit. But right now, I want to get to a congresswoman whose words may have helped drive Speaker Pelosi's decision to conduct an impeachment inquiry. Representative Alyssa Slotkin joins me now on primetime. It is good to have you. Thanks for having me. And I would ask you to exercise uh, judgment that has two hats. One, your experience uh, working with the government in the intelligence field and as a lawmaker now with responsibility to your constituents. When you hear this first report, give me your reaction on two fronts. One, the idea of the president saying that to the Russians. And two, that type of information being kept somewhat secret. Yeah, I mean, listen, I also worked at the National Security Council under both Presidents Bush and President Obama. So I'm I'm aware of kind of how normal procedure goes. And I think 
there's no way around it. Just the breaking of norms and traditions that has gone on from the very beginning is just it's a little hard to take. Um, and, you know, I think the president back in 2017 clearly um, didn't understand what we do and do not do in other people's elections and was flippant about it. And now, of course, many, many things, many months have gone by and we know a lot more about the story. But to be honest with you, I think a lot of this stuff that we're talking about now it's it's their details that are part of the story, but it it sort of gets caught in the details when we don't focus on the big picture. And the I agree big with picture, you. I agree with yeah. you. So let's transition to that because yeah. his statements to the Russians write it off to ignorance or flippancy, as you say. But the arrogance of creating a two tiered system of how you protect information. You know, it's no coincidence to me that The Washington Post is finding out what happened in that meeting now that there's all this exposure about this other system. Now, have you heard about this other system, the password system that the Ukraine call was in? Is that something that you guys do in the intelligence world or they do at the NSC? So so again, at the NSC, there are multiple types of systems, some for unclassified information, some for classified, and then some for what's called code word, which is really exceptionally classified compartment and information that even people with a top secret clearance don't necessarily get to see. Um, and what, you know, breaks with, uh, you know, some executive orders is anyone taking information from the unclassified system that has no reason to be classified and putting it in one of those higher level systems. Because I learned on my first day as a CIA officer, there are many, many different strict ways you can classify information, but embarrassing information, politically sensitive information, that is not classified information. So what they did by moving it wasn't right. I, I still think, you know, the that the, it keeps us in the weeds a little bit from the bigger story, which is what the president did to use his leverage to get dirt on a political opponent. That is the story. That is the big thing here that was different enough for myself and my fellow national security freshmen to come out um, for an impeachment inquiry. But, you know, we're, we're doing a methodical um, process now. I'm really glad to see that a number of the committee members are staying behind. They've been asked to stay behind here in Washington to follow through with some instead of the— Instead of recess. Yeah, instead of recess, um, because it shows a different process. But I, I just—I think that one of the things that we've been losing, you know, in the past couple of months on this is we're not bringing the American people along with this story. You know, the drip, drip, drip of information um, on this thing or that thing, it's all, it's important, but we got to be able to bring people along so it's not a Washington insider baseball Fine, story. but you know, you guys have a challenge because you're telling a new story now. I get that this is new information about Ukraine, but you know, but for months, Democrats were saying, we already have enough. This is already obstruction and we're fighting with ourselves to figure out what to call it, but we already know we have enough. Now, you don't even want to talk about any of that stuff anymore. It's only about Ukraine. You know, that could send a message to people as well, Congressman. You worried about that? Uh, I think it's I I think that putting the country through something like an impeachment inquiry is such a serious thing that we shouldn't do it lightly. For me, this was not something I ever came to Congress to do. It's not something I go into gleefully or lightly at all. Um, So for me, it just it crossed a certain threshold that has to do with national security. It is different. Explain that. Because here's what people are saying to me all the time. Uh, And look at it in this context, because you're new to this particular world, even with all the intel experience. Now you're in the world of complete perfidy, where nobody expects any integrity on any level from anybody, sadly. And I hope that changes. But they say they all do what he did. 
Look, Biden did it with his son. And we course correct as much as we can where the facts tell us. But people say this is what they do. And now you're going to throw somebody out of office for doing what the industry norm is in Washington. What do you say? I say it's not the industry norm. It is not the industry norm for the commander in chief, the most powerful man in the world, to reach out to a junior partner nation and leverage that for dirt on a political opponent. That is not normal. Imagine a Democratic president reaching out to China or North Korea and doing the same thing. The precedent that's being set here, it just is different. And it's also about the future, not about the past, right? It's about the 2020 elections, not 2016. So there's an urgency about it. It is different. And that's why, even though it's not something that I ever wanted to do, we and you know a number of us came out this week. Uh, it is different. And we have to remember that they're strategically important and they're tactically important. Keep it at the strategic level. Are you equally concerned as others in the caucus now that the call is not all? They keep saying to me, it is just a window into something that was a year in the making, many months in the making, involves the State Department, people in the White House uh, on multiple levels and what they were telling people in Congress about why funding was being held, how they were changing different standards of classification to protect what access Mr. Giuliani was being given, as we saw with the text that he released about Mr. Volcker, who just resigned. How many different layers are you considering in making your case to the American people about what this rises to as an abuse? I think that we need to do a thorough investigation. We are starting that next week. Um, I think we need to look into the details and we need to be methodical about it. We can't be jumping the gun on anything. That doesn't mean the whole kitchen sink goes into this. Some in your party say you want to vote next month. You think that's possible? I, I, I think that we should let the investigation play out. And let the facts drive the conversation. And and I'm not I'm not foreclosing anything. Um, I do think the process needs to be strategic, clear, and efficient. What's the um, standard? How bad does it have to be to justify a, saying that this president should lose what the pre, what the people gave him? Uh, I think that if the president has put his own personal or political gain above the security of the country, that meets the criteria of an impeachable offense to me. Um, and and listen, I, I no one wants to be going through this, but we are pushed to a point where to preserve the, the Constitution and our democratic elections, we need to do this and we need to inquire and figure out what happened. And I think that we have to have certain standards and norms. I, 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 I don't think that it's a crazy thing to look into this as a very different matter. And um, I, I think. Only this and only something that challenges my oath to protect and defend the Constitution would have brought me to this place. So you believe it is a legitimate question as to whether or not this president jeopardized the national security of the United States in doing what he did with Ukraine? I think that is what is on the table and we need to figure that out. Yes. What does it mean to you that Volcker stepped down the special envoy to Ukraine? He was working as a volunteer. He's also at the McCain Institute uh, there wearing two hats. This is somewhat atypical. He kind of stepped in. Uh, to a, a uh, there's a big hole there in mm-hmm. Ukraine diplomatic corps. So he steps down right after the whistleblower complaint comes out that he was mentioned in. Yeah. Doesn't look good. Uh, I mean, for me, I think it's important. I think it's interesting that he's stepping down because I think it allows him to be freed up to have a real conversation. I think he will undoubtedly be called in to 
give his side of the story, to talk about what he knows in front of the you know, U.S. Congress. And I think it's better to do that as a private citizen than someone who is still in the employ of this administration. Although, you know, they, with Corey Lewandowski, as you know, Congresswoman, they tried to, you know, Lewandowski said they're exercising their executive privilege. He never even worked in the White House. If they did it with Lewandowski, they could do it with him. But the rule's always been clear. I guess you could litigate it. But the rule's been clear. If you're not working there anymore, you're not under uh, the privilege anymore. Well, let's all hope that not every witness is like um, Mr. Lewandowski. Uh, I, I think that um, uh, Ambassador Volker is a serious professional, and he understands that this is a crisis right now and that he owes his clear and objective responses to Congress. Uh, what do you make uh, in your analysis with your experience in the intelligence community of Mr. Giuliani? Now, one problem is he told me he was doing this on his own. And I asked him specifically, are you working under color of authority of the president? Certainly the State Department would fit into that. He said no. Then later he said, yes, he is working with the State Department. He seemed to be telling the truth. Those texts he put out with Volcker seemed to suggest he was working. Is there a situation or a circumstance where that is OK for a civilian to be working with the State Department doing these types of things with Ukraine? It's, it's highly unusual. I, I don't know if it's been done in the past, but it is highly unusual, not something I've seen in 15 years in government. Um, and uh, again, I think mixing political and personal with professional and national security issues is always a dangerous game and never worth it. And I think that it's been uh, cloudy at best, starting with your interview um, with Mr. Giuliani. And I think he's acknowledged the very basic top line fact here, which is that the president used his leverage on Ukraine to get them to provide some dirt on a political opponent. He acknowledged it in front of you, in front of everyone else. Um, and, and that's what's changed for me, is that they were open about it. Um, they didn't seem to be shameful about it. And I just cannot accept that as an army wife, as the mom of a, of a stepdaughter in the army. The commander in chief can't be doing that. It is interesting how many of you heard Rudy Giuliani lay out the Biden case as flagrantly as he did, treat the facts the way he did, use the tone that he did. And it started to make you think differently about what you had to do in this situation. That certainly was not his intention. Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin, thank you so much for offering your perspective. You have an open invitation to come here. The American people need to know, as you said, they have to be brought along every step of the way. Thank you for doing so tonight, especially on a Friday. Thank you. Although, to be honest, there are no more Fridays. It's like every night is a big night now. Tonight, we're learning a lot about the lengths the White House went to to conceal details of the president's calls and conversations. You just heard someone who worked in the intelligence community and at the NSC. She said, I, I, I wasn't aware that people were doing this kind of stuff. She'd be aware. The question is, why are they doing this? Two reporters who are all over this story with some insight next. Look, we all know the basic axiom. If you have nothing to worry about, you don't hide. So why are we learning about things being hidden? Among the many questions being raised tonight as we learn about the White House's efforts to limit access to President Trump's calls with a lot of people, not just the Ukraine president, but with Putin. 
and the crown prince of Saudi Arabia and what the president told Russian officials in the Oval Office in 2017 while dismissing their election interference. So let's bring in Jim Baker and Jim Shudo. Obviously, you guys know Jimmy Shudo, anchor here, Jim Baker. You know he is not a journalist. He's obviously someone with legal acumen in the exact area that we're dealing with. Jimmy, uh, you were on top of this early on. Uh, The significance to the audience, why does this news matter? Well, listen, let's start with the Oval Office meeting here. There's no other way to describe it but as a betrayal of U.S. national security interests. Russia has just interfered in America's political process, and the president tells senior Russian officials he's fine with it. It's okay, which excuses the interference in 2016, but you could say reasonably welcomes interference in elections to follow. That that is an enormous betrayal. So you have the behavior and the comments, and then you have the cover-up, where officials knowing that that statement to Russian officials is something that should not be known by the public. So they take extraordinary measures to keep it not just from the public, but from other members of Trump's own administration. And as we reported tonight, Chris, my colleague Pamela Brown and I, that it was not limited to that meeting in the Oval Office. It was not limited to the steps they took after the call with the Ukraine president. They took similar steps after the president spoke with the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, to conceal those records. And after after he spoke to the Saudi crown prince. So it is a pattern of troublesome conversations with foreign leaders followed by extraordinary steps to conceal those conversations, not just from you and me, but from other members of his own administration. All right. So, uh, Jim, uh, point counterpoint. Uh, Their argument is, hey, we have all different types of ways of classifying things. It's up to us and our discretion. If you don't like it, uh, complain or vote us out. But it's certainly not something that you could see as an abuse of power. What's the counter? It is an abuse of power. It is an abuse of power because it's not things are supposed to back up. The president has authority as commander in chief and and the head of uh, foreign relations for the United States to classify information. That's true under the Constitution. But it has to be for that purpose. It cannot be for the purpose of protecting him and his administration from embarrassment because he says things that are actually contrary to the national security interests of the United States or unlawful. And I mean unlawful in the sense of unconstitutional, in dereliction of his duties as commander in chief and in dereliction of his oath oath of office. So he 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 gets to classify information, but only to protect the national security. What if if the national security risk is there too many leaks, Jim, too many leaks? I have to keep this quiet. They're killing me in here. We have to protect these things. Ukraine is a sensitive situation. They're a fragile place. MBS, fragile. Putin, they're trying to expose me as a Russian agent. Have to keep this stuff quiet away from the leakers. Well, look, leaking truly classified information obviously is unlawful, right? That should not be done. But this stuff, again, it is not it is not properly, in my mind, not properly classified when it's done just to protect the political interests of the president or other people or to preserve them from embarrassment. And in the executive order that governs classified information, it says that. That's what the rules say. You cannot classify information just to prevent embarrassment or to cover up violations of law, including violations of the Constitution. And Chris, to that point, we know based on past administration's use of this code word protected system, They did not use that for politically embarrassing information. And I'm talking about Republican and Democratic administrations that preceded this one. They used it uh, 
solely or at least principally for conversations that included the most sensitive intelligence, sources and methods, etc. Uh, for instance, the Osama bin Laden raid, uh, information about that, uh, secret negotiations at the time with Iran about a nuclear deal. They, did, they, they used it for those kinds of right. conversations, not conversations that are politically sensitive. So, so it, this, this was at a minimum, and I'll let Jim speak to the legal aspect, but in terms of how classified information was handled in this system, it was a clear break with the norm. I mean, look, I think in terms of legalities, the biggest problem that this president has right now is if this stuff is true about all the different aspects uh, that went into working Ukraine to get to Biden, uh, you're going to have misappropriation of federal assets for political purposes. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to have a problem with that. Uh, but I, I want to turn our, our, our uh, attention to Volcker uh, because, you know, working sources around the president, it's the first time, guys, I've ever had them not trash someone who was leaving. Mm-hmm. No one is trashing Volcker. They're saying he's a good guy. He left. Uh, we don't know why you say it looks bad. It looks the way you want it to look. How does it not look bad? Jim Shuto, what could I be missing about him leaving the day after the whistleblower complaint that he's mentioned in the special envoy to Ukraine resigns? Yeah. Well, listen, he is by position meant to be America's primary uh, official dealing with Ukraine Mm. affairs. Uh, In fact, we saw from the president's use of his own personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, that, that from the president's perspective, it appears he was using someone else, in effect, outside of That's government. That's a key point. That's a key point, around, uh, right? Jim Baker, pick up on that. Uh, help us with the legalities. We saw the texts from Volcker to uh, Rudy Giuliani. Did Rudy Giuliani have to register as a foreign agent? When is it okay, if ever, for a private citizen to work with the State Department this way? What are the legalities involved? Well, so it's a bit tricky, but like, let's back up. Generally speaking... Under the Constitution, the president does have authority to select what um, envoys or emissaries that he wants to engage with or have engaged with uh, foreign leaders on his behalf. He can do it through the official channels of the State Department or he can do it through others. That, to me, doesn't, doesn't freak me out. Let me just put it that way. But he does have to be careful about how he's spending U.S. government funds, exactly what's happening, if he's putting State Department people out there saying something different, uh, con- uh, contradicting what Giuliani might be saying behind... Uh, closed doors. I mean, look, the way this has come out, it does not look like a professional and well thought out strategy by the president to affect the foreign relations of the United States in a comprehensive and cohesive way. It looks like amateur hour with with uh, the former mayor going around and saying the things that he does. It just it looks terrible. So we'll see what Mr. Volcker has to say. I got to leave it there. But I appreciate it, guys. I thank I thank you for jumping in, especially on a Friday night. I appreciate it. You both got families. Thank you for doing this. Amateur hour is bad, but the abuse of power that this has to rise to, to make impeachment unavoidable, much higher. Jim Shuto, Jim Baker, thank you so much for bringing us the news and explaining it to us. Appreciate it. So, big question. How could so many people possibly know what we're only reading now in the whistleblower's claims? We can't understand the state of play here without knowing the players. And also, Mr. Giuliani is at the center of this. I don't know that he's going to turn out to be a hero the way he thinks, but he certainly catalyzed Democrats and created a tipping point on impeachment. He told us things that now are being seen in a different light. Who's involved? What did he say? How did we get here? Where do we go? It's all broken down in a tangled web that I can't believe we weave. Next. 
More big news. The U.S. special envoy to Ukraine is out. Kurt Volker. His name was in the whistleblower complaint. He left the day after it came out. Democrats in the House are still going to want to talk to him. And now access to him got a little bit easier if he left the White House. He's also just one of dozens of people who either knew about or actively participated in a concerted effort to benefit one man, President Donald J. Trump. The whistleblower cites more than a half dozen U.S. officials who know the facts and a dozen White House officials who listened in on the call. The acting DNI's testimony gave us even more names. So as you push in closer to the president, you see some big names personally in this. Volker's right there with some of the most powerful men in the government, which is why his resignation and possible testimony certainly matter. At the heart of this, we get to two people, the president and a man who hasn't held elected office in over 18 years. It was last week right here that Rudy Giuliani tried to create so much smoke, he may have choked on it. Did you ask the Ukraine to investigate Joe Biden? No, actually, I didn't. You the never asked finding, anything about Hunter Biden. You never asked anything about Joe Biden. The only thing I asked about Joe Biden is to get to the bottom of how it was that Lutsenko, who was appointed, right. dismissed the case against Antak. So you did ask Ukraine to look into Joe Biden? Of course I did. You just said you didn't. In a day since then, it hasn't gotten much easier to pin down Mr. Giuliani's version of events. It's gone from he was acting as a private lawyer to he was following orders from the State Department. He's painted himself as the real whistleblower and the true hero, but that's, that's about style. No matter what he calls himself, the actions are hard to discern, especially because the administration refuses to answer whether he ever registered as a foreign agent. Look, maybe he needed to, maybe he didn't. But under federal law, you're supposed to if you are a U.S. citizen engaged in negotiations with a foreign government. Now, that brings us to the results of his work. Well, I now you won't give me the proof. Show, I'm not going to give you proof. Well, what can you do? You can't indict anybody. I, so Believe what? me, the proof is in the right hands. The right hands. Can you imagine if this president, with his attorney general, opened up an investigation into Joe Biden on the basis of what they're talking about right now? Now, on that, you've got to keep in mind the president's own words and the whistleblower's logical conjecture. The, DO, the dots still need to be connect, uh, connected here, but they line up in a straight path to the AG, which is why I asked that question about, can you imagine that? Bill Barr is currently marshalling the resources of the DOJ without any success to hunt for his own facts in the hope that they work to the political benefit of his boss. The fact that so many in power were actively involved in a full-fledged operation to recruit foreign election interference shows there's no secret cabal lurking in the shadows. This isn't about deep state. This is a window into how this administration operates in the light of day. They are the nine pages that everything changed in this White House when this complaint came out. The former Whitewater Independent Counsel, Robert Ray. He's heard everything we're saying here. What makes sense to him? What doesn't? What matters and why? What is different about this? What is here that the Mueller report didn't have? Next. You know, one of the interesting things about the dynamic we're all living together here is, you know, the president has yet to take any issue with the facts. 
that the whistleblower laid out. You know what he usually says, right? He usually says, that's all untrue. It's all fake. Now, his hands are a little tied because this is a transcript of this call that came out with, you know, we guess the blessing of the White House, right? So let's stick with the facts here and let's bring in Robert Ray. Good to see you. Good to see you, my friend. Such an important time. We are literally living history together. I'll take issue with you on the first thing, though, in terms of the president. That you're happy to be here? (laughs) No. Go ahead. What what does he take issue with? I think the president takes issue with the portion of the whistleblower complaint, which attempts to allege that there was a cover-up and therefore an obstruction of justice. I think he clearly takes issue with that. Didn't happen, so far as I know. When is it okay to take certain things and put in a password protected, um, put it in a password protected classification place that is done for political purposes, not national security purposes? Well, let's but let's divide it up and sort of in the universe of three that I think would apply. There were diplomatic implications. There were legal implications and there were political implications. Um, I, you know, it, it's very easy to say, well, it was all about politics. I mean, I, you know, that's really not true, is it? When you think about, there's a, you've already mentioned on your broadcast, legitimate concerns about leaks, which may explain with regard to other foreign yeah, leaders why, why certain things were cabined because of the concern yeah, that I if you have... best argument. I mean, you haven't been in Washington, you know. Anybody who's been in Washington knows the more people you tell, the more likely it is yes. somehow or another it's going to leak out. I had the same problem in the independent counsel's office. Right. I don't see there, it as a problem because I'm a journalist. Well, but, but I get why but, inside But there were. were some decisions where I literally told maybe two people in the office because I knew that if I told them, I didn't have to worry. Is it okay if it comes down to, you know, they bring you and a bunch of other big brains to argue on his behalf in an impeachment uh, situation and you say, look, he was afraid of leaks. Our word was getting out. He didn't want these negotiations screwed up. It's in his discretion. You could say whether that was a good call or not. But that made it okay. Is it? Well, there's a, the other part I was going to mention was the legal part. We know now, I think, from the reporting from the Wall Street Journal and others, uh, I think today, that the Justice Department was involved very early on in this. And as you might imagine, the intelligence community apparently gave a heads up to the Justice Department. It went through where it should have gone through, which is the National Security Division of the Department. The whistleblower complaint, you mean? Well, they knew about it even before the whistleblower complaint. Supposedly he went filed. to the CIA counsel's office, right? I don't know how, what happened, but somehow or another, the, the Justice Department got a heads up. And as a result of that, the person who heads the National Security Division at the Justice Department went over to view the transcript. Right. So, you know, and then after that, they reported back to the, ch- the uh, chief of the criminal now, division happens, and the deputy attorney general got involved. So, again, all those things you would expect to happen. Yeah, but it's and about- that's And that's why, and the reason for that is because there are legal implications. Right, but the question is whether or not that rises to the level of making this okay to put under password protection. But that's the issue. We'll see how it plays out. And I think just so it's clear for the viewers, I mean, what you're talking about, I mean, not, we're not talking about OK. What we're talking about is did that constitute a rise to the level of obstruction of justice? Just because things are shielded from access or public view, it does not. Why does, does it have to be obstruction not, of justice? It, Why can't not, it just be an abuse of power? It's, that's not the same. That's not tantamount to obstruction of justice or abuse of but power. But I didn't say it was. Well, I don't well, know about the abuse of power. Every if time, you did it for political purposes, if that's the, the fair reckoning of it, then you could say it was an abuse of I, power. Look, all the headlines in the, in, the, in the morning newspapers this morning, everything was about trying to characterize all of this in terms of how this came out, which is a process issue, as concealment, suggesting that right. the White House did something it wrong. Does, it does look like that, though. That's why they have to explain it. They have to explain why I, it was I okay. don't have any problem with explanations and don't have any problem with hearings in order to, to understand exactly right. what happened. But don't jump to the conclusion no, that I'm that's, not. A, I'm that saying that's obstruction I'm of justice. I'm identifying it as an issue. I'm identifying it as Fair an enough. issue also Fair point. that if the DOJ knew 
about this in advance before it even went through the whistleblower process. Right. It then raises the issue of, is that why you were so reluctant to have this complaint go to Congress? Because you knew what it was about. You'd looked at the transcript of the call. You knew it was bad for the president. And you decided to sleep on that statute, which makes it pretty clear but, you're but, supposed but, to deliver but, it over. But Is again, that an abuse of power? No, but again, Chris, there are, there are legitimate uh, executive privilege issues. There's the legitimate issues with, in connection with diplomatic implications about making sure that there's not disclosure, uh, public disclosure of a private conversation between um, two world leaders. Uh, you know, it, there, it's not just one thing. I mean, I understand everybody's now excited about, oh, the White House sat on this and the Justice Department was involved no, but, in trying to conceal it from, right, but from I'm re- Congress and the American right, but people. But I'm reversing the point uh, as, a, as a, a question of perspective, which is right. But just because it's complicated doesn't mean you can't explain it. You know, you have to explain sure. why it wasn't an abuse of power. I'm not saying that the burden of proof is on the president, but you have to help us understand. And then ultimately, the I mean, I still get back to what we talked about two days ago, which is at the end of the day, what was this hearing about yesterday on, in, before the Intelligence Committee in the House? Mostly it was about process. It was you didn't want us to see this because you knew it was bad for him. And that's well, not what you're supposed to be doing. OK. And the Justice Department made a call on this with regard to executive privilege and, or the White House did with regard to executive privilege. And the Justice Department made a call in connection with whether or not it satisfied the particulars of the statute. You may disagree with the answer, but there's a 10 page Office of Legal Counsel opinion that right. re- represents the, right. the view of the of, of the government about what the law is with regard to the issue. Right. Uh, and in any event. After all of that and all this process, the whistleblower complaint has been released and the transcript of the call has been released. So what you're left with is a process argument about trying to hunt the process for, matters because, look, well, look what we're learning now. Do I care in a vacuum that this president was reckless enough to say to the Russians at a meeting, I don't care that you interfered in the election. We do the same thing. No. But that someone saw and I don't think it's a coincidence that we're finding out about it now that someone tried to keep it quiet because they thought it fit into this category of political exposure they didn't like. That's what feeds understanding. And remember, you say it's not about process. It has to be, Robert, because what we're trying to examine is, was there a many months long process here of engineering political advantage for this president with Ukraine, with the State Department, with the White House that was working over Congress? We're insinuating Giuliani into the State Department to work with this president and give him expectations in Ukraine that if you don't do the right thing with the Biden matter. You don't get to the president. That all culminated in this you're, you're telephone ma- you're call. You're making it sound, though, like it's a many month process. It really wasn't. The phone call was in July. I know, but the, it's the, going the, on for many months the, before the, the, that. The right? whistle he was talking about the, it in March, April. Uh, I know. I remember talking to him about it in a green room, you know, long before this became public. And then it clearly was public, at least by May. Maybe even earlier. That's a lot of months. Right. So it wasn't one phone call. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but I'm talking about the president's conversation now and the process that we're talking about, which is really I mean, I don't know. Every day is a new day that the the Democrats decide to focus on something else, which is the scattershot approach, which I think undermines the high bar. But Robert, you don't have to go anywhere else. The president talks to the other president and says, look at Biden for me with money hanging in the balance and reciprocity hanging in the balance. That's all you need. He's got to explain why that's okay. Well, he, he, he doesn't have to explain why that's OK. If those two things exist in one conversation, that's well short of being able to show that that's a quid pro quo. And you I don't di- have to show it's a quid pro quo. Well, the, you know, the statute the, the, just says solicit. The Democrats have tried four things. I'm not the Democrats. I'm right here. Okay. I'm just asking you what the issues I'm are. Tell, what are the you other issues? Solicit. 
Okay, the four issues are this. Is it treason? No. No, one issue. You, can you solicit... You, Ukraine is, can Ukraine you is solicit, an ally. Can you... Col- is it bribery? No. The, can you the solicit... The bribery statute doesn't apply to foreign government officials. Can you solicit officials. political benefits from a foreign entity? Is it, is it extortion? No, there's no quid Robert. pro quo. Last one, your point. Yes, thank you. Okay, is it a violation of the camp finance, campaign finance law? The Justice Department has said through OLC, the answer is no. Now you, you can solicit a foreign government for political advantage. You believe that that's anybody's read at, on that statute. Stop asking for an investigation in in the words of the Justice Department OLC memo is not a thing of value. Therefore, it is not an illegal foreign campaign contribution, period. End of story. Now, you know, you may not like that. You may not agree with it. That's fine. Pe- reasonable people can disagree. But you have some of the finest minds in the country at the at the Office of Legal Counsel making a judgment about that. But it's not asking just for an investigation. Here's how we know. They already investigated it. You know that and I know that. Frankly, they investigated it twice, right? So Shokin is looking at it. That's why this farce about Biden is so silly. He had this corrupt guy looking at his son's business who he knew was sleeping on it. He gets rid of him. They put in Lutsenko, who's a good prosecutor, who turns the screws up on it, eventually says there's nothing here, closes it. Then he talks to Rudy Giuliani and reopens it. That's not an investigation. That's going back to something you already well, that's, investigated that's, that the president made clear right, he that, wants a certain outcome. That's very convenient to be able to say that. And what was the, and what was the result of all that? Any untoward investigation lead to anything that was we don't know was harmful to we don't know to the vice president. We don't know yet. Other than the fact that the Democrats have now made this a big issue, the only end result of which will be that no, they'll, the sink, they'll sink this they'll sink the vice president's campaign. That, I won't that, give you that. The reasoning is always strong. That's why I love having you on the show. Anytime. But this is about him making that phone call, where it leads, what it means. I need you here to help us understand. But it's got to be two things. I would suggest to you. That's why you say high bar, and I will define Absolutely. high bar for you. I believe it requires based upon history and practice, both a high crime and misdemeanor, treason or bribery and an abuse of power. And one or the other is not good enough. It has to be a high bar. It has to be unavoidable or it should be avoided and the subject of an election. I'm with you on that. Well, and we're going to very clearly be in very short order within a little more than a month to November of this year, which means we're, in a, we're actually literally in an election year. I hear you. How is that in the best interest of the country to travel down this road rather than have the people decide? I hear you. And that's what the American people have to decide now over the next several weeks. I hear you. But our leaders have to make choices, too. Sure. Thank you very much, especially. Nice to be with you. Of course. Appreciate it. I have to have you back soon. All right. We're going to go beyond the words of politicos and look at the Trump and Ukraine versus Biden and Ukraine. Look, I know it's a big deal out there. Don't get mad at me and say they're not the same. Everybody's bringing them up in the same sentence. So let's look at the facts on both sides. That's the argument next. So the troubling news tonight about Trump's Ukraine envoy resigning and more calls with leaders being unusually restricted, one thing's pretty clear. You're going to hear this president and his proxies coming after Biden to cover this up and excuse it and soon. But saying something a lot doesn't make it true. What this president clearly did with Ukraine is nothing like what Biden did. It is true Both did pressure the Ukrainian government about prosecutions, but that's where it ends. The why and the how could not be more different here. Biden acted publicly at the direction of the president as part of an international effort to assist Ukraine in removing a rogue prosecutor. Trump acted in secret without even the backing of Congress. In fact, 
to opposite effect of Congress, encouraging Ukraine to take action that would help him and hurt a political rival. Now, what about Hunter Biden, Biden's son? He was on the board of Burisma. Are there ethical questions to be asked? Yes. Are there standards we could pursue? Yes. But when you sit on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company whose owner is under investigation, you got to look at the legalities. First, the UK was looking at it before Biden even joined the board. Then Ukraine picked up the investigation even before this rogue prosecutor came in. And remember, the rogue prosecutor was in trouble and rogue for ignoring cases like this and many other corruption cases to the dismay of his government and others. So to help force a change in that fragile regime, Biden, acting on the official of the United States, went to Kiev, announced a billion dollar loan to the government. But there was a catch. Look, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. (laughs) Got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Now, why would you get rid of a weak guy and put in a solid guy if you wanted to help your kid who was being investigated? Allies of this president will point to his bravado there as somehow proof that he's dirty. See, Biden was using American funds to pressure Ukraine, too, and trying to kick out and end that prosecution, they say. No, prosecutor. Wrong for two reasons. Here's why. One, you're mixing up prosecution and prosecutor and you're doing it for advantage and it's cheap. But here are the two real reasons. The prosecutor's deputy told Bloomberg there was no pressure from anyone from the U.S. to close cases against that Burisma owner. It was shelved by Ukrainian prosecutors in 2014 and through 2015. Second, this weak prosecutor wasn't even actively investigating the company at the time. In fact, U.S. officials called him out for not looking at Burisma more. Why would Biden allow the U.S. government to go after his own kid that way? An even stronger point, why fight to replace a weak guy looking at your son with a strong guy looking at your son more? And that's what happened. The new guy came in and stepped up the probe before ultimately closing the case. Now, When we look at what was behind that damning July call that this president made and manufactured, the intention has always been clear right from the mouth of his lawyer. Rudy Giuliani plans Ukraine trip to push for inquiries that could help Trump. It's way back in May. The month since, there were drips about this and then the tsunami. Trump ordering his chief of staff to put a hold on hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid. The call transcript Trump asking Ukraine's president to do us a favor, talking about a lack of reciprocity with all we give them. In the next breath, asking to investigate Biden and his son. Remember, they had been investigated. They had already done it. What was he really asking for? Advantage. The whistleblower report. The White House officials were directed to remove the electronic transcript of the call from the computer system where they were typically stored and move it to a separate system that stores classified information. Why limit the access to it? Those two pieces of information are in all. There's a whole universe of events that we're only scratching the surface of. And no real denials from Trump. Not about that call. It's not fake. He's given us a string of contradicting explanations about why he held up the money, right? Innocent. I just wanted to fight corruption. I wanted Europe to get involved. But the call itself, holding up the aid money, covering up the call, 
None of that screams of being on the up and up. In contrast, Biden's always been open about what he did because there was nothing to hide. And remember, this president has no problem accepting foreign campaign interference. Your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on an opponent, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. Do you want that kind of interference in our elections? It's not an interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. You're not supposed to take it. Turns out he wouldn't just take it. He'd ask for it as well. This president and his proxies can accuse Biden of doing something, but they do that without proof. This president actually did what they accuse Biden of, strong-arming Ukraine for personal advantage, and there is proof. The two actions are no more equal in character or nature than the two men are. Where it leads for this president, we don't know. But we must make sure that we don't advance on the basis of false equivalencies. This must be about facts first. So, How does the Biden camp feel about this? Is this hurting them? We have a voice in Congress, also a key voice on the Biden campaign. He is next. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode. 